Welcome to Lamestream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter at Scavendish. If you like the show, please rate, review, subscribe. Smash that subscribe button, folks. We'd really, really appreciate it. And hey, as always, just tell one person about the show. That's all we ask. Yes, please share the show. It's not that big of an ask for people out there, frankly. Chad Withrow is going to be our guest on the show today. He is the host of Outkick 360, one of the three. Uh, Of course, their new show launched this week, so we will talk with him uh, for a very long time and cover a lot of subjects. But I want to remind everybody, of course, that the Gold Standard out every single Wednesday covering the Nashville Predators. Jeff Merrick of Sportsnet on this week as he really dissected regime changes in the NHL. Did a great job evaluating David Poyle and John Hines, so make sure you check that out every Wednesday. Fringe Element featured Spencer Hall, the SEC podcast so that good. comes out every Thursday. He is uh, There's not many people in this business, outside of you, Steve, of course, of that course. I admire more and appreciate more that their work, have, have read their work more consistently than Spencer Hall around college football, one of the smartest and funniest dudes you'll ever, ever listen to. He was, again, long-form interview with him on Fringe Element with myself and Aaron Dugan, that out every single thursday and as always check that out every one of these podcasts is brought to you by jaspers 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 go to jaspers (laughs) have we we've talked about the free parking i believe that's come up in the past free parking folks so so there is free parking it's an it's quite a parking lot it's it's spectacular it's real it's large it's (laughs) it's substantial it's real and it's beautiful but but the menu is even better and the vibes are even better it's a great place to watch college basketball this weekend and next weekend uh weekly rundown has specials on every single day that's like six to six to close every single night there's a different special for a different day you got flight night on mondays you got burgers and beers on Thursdays. They got something, you know, check out the website. They got something new for you every single day. There's also happy hour from four to six every day, which is just sort of their standard happy hour, as well as during Preds games, the gold standard cocktail as well. A little whiskey drink named after the podcast. So you can go get one of those. We're still working on the lamestream cocktail. I'm told it's like. I'm told it's the next evolution of the sports bar. And many people are saying many that people as are well. saying that. so go to Jasper's, watch some hoops. Uh, maybe you know. Maybe Steve and I'll be there this week. Maybe who knows? We'll see. Maybe maybe, maybe during uh, a maybe right. during a certain uh, orange uh, orange telecast on Friday, which is basically every single team in Tennessee's region: <laughs> <laughs> Illinois, Syracuse, Oklahoma State, Oregon State, Tennessee, and Illinois. <laughs> it's not good for the eyes. Anyway, Chad Withrow is our guest today on the show, and we covered a whole lot of ground. From moving from radio to digital, as well as their their departure from 104.5 The Zone, the negotiations to get into OutKick, and all the different things in between, uh, Steve. It was a, a lot of fun to talk to Chad. Jason Whitlock makes an appearance on the uh, in, in the interview. There are a few, uh, a few other kind of fun details. It's been interesting to watch them kind of take the Midday 180 show from 104.5 into a video medium this week here uh, as they've launched uh, OutKick 360. They've, they've still got some kinks to work out. <laughs> There's still, uh, you know, you're still going to, you're still going to catch them looking at the wrong camera every now and then, but uh, it's the same guys. And it's, and it, and it's largely the same show with some tweaks. If you, if you liked Hutton yep. and Withrow and Kuharski, you're, you're gonna you're gonna be very happy that the Outkick 360 is is here for you. And if you like inside media baseball, sit back. This folks. is your ep- this is this is your episode. <laughs> that is for sure. So we went into a lot of details about all of this. It was a great conversation with Chad. We do appreciate his time. Congratulations to all the guys on their new gig. And if you also want to hear Jonathan Hutton crotch talk, you'll get some of that too. Stand by, so- folks. <laughs> So sit back. This was our conversation with Outkick 360's Chad Withrow. Chad, thank you so much for joining us here on Lamestream. We do appreciate your time. First of all, congratulations on the new gig. You guys have been up and running now for a couple of days. Outkick 360. Uh, We had to wait a while to get you on, legally, I believe. So it's great to talk to you. Um, how's the new show feel? How's the first couple of days gone for you guys? It's been so much fun avoiding litigation and not joining you uh, <laughs> on the chance of getting sued. So fucking uh, lawyers, man. For, first off, yes. Um, some good, some bad. First off, I love your show. Big fan of, of lamestream, a big fan of, uh, the four forty daily also Braden. 
Uh, I'm, I'm a daily listener to that. So I've listened to pretty much every episode you guys have done. So wanted to start by saying I'm a big fan. And yeah, it's exciting starting something new. Hasn't really happened with me a lot over the course of my career. Started out the zone and was there for 16 years. And now we're starting a new venture and it's all good. It's exciting. But I'm happy to be here with you, gentlemen. First week of the show, uh, was it, it? has it been about what you expected? Uh, obviously, there are a lot of different factors involved here. You're doing, there's a video component. You're in a new spot. You're still ironing stuff out. How's it feel? It, it feels good. Um, it, it, you know, honestly, Steve, I thought there were going to be more problems in the beginning. You know, we were fully anticipating, look, this is something new. As you said, there's the video elements to it. You know, we're doing our show. That part of it's easy. We've done it for over nine years together. But how to present on camera, you know, how relaxed are we going to be with that? How quickly will we get into a routine and a flow with everything going on? We've got, you know, David Reed, who's working with us now, who came over from the zone. We've got two other producers who are great, who's here working the cameras and doing all that in the studio with us every day. Had never worked with them before. So we're thinking you know, this could be a disaster early. And then we're going to have to tell everyone who tuned into the first show, hey, bear with us. We're going to eventually figure this out. And we were kind of prepping for the, all right, we're going to have to preach patience with everyone on everything we're doing because it's going to be a shit show in the beginning. But it really hasn't been. I mean, there's some things that, you know, obviously with anything new, you need to smooth out some rough edges. You know, each day we see something new. Jonathan Hutton not having a desk in front of him the first day. People were making fun of, the crotch shot that he was giving everyone. Well, <laughs> the next day we remedied that and we put a desk in front of him. That's just one issue. Now we're talking about having a table instead of the coffee table with the logo in front of us where it'll look a little bit more relaxed with laptops in front of us and everything else. So uh, the good thing about working with OutKick and, and this team with Neon Media is that um, they're quick to make changes on the fly and to adjust to make things right. And that, that's been a refreshing part of it. But honestly... There's been a few curveballs, but it, it's been a lot more smooth than even I expected. I, I, you know, I would prefer more crotch shots, frankly, of Hutton. Yep. Uh, if you of could course. do that, um, as you're also a guy who hosts a show pantless with me for years, so I, I know your affinity for crotch shots. Yes, and curveballs. Um, yep. No question about it. Um, Pun intended. <laughs> so, what what were some of those things you guys have? I mean, you've all done spent time on television, so it's not like you haven't been in front of a camera, but. What, what were some of those things that, that you're talking about as far as like, all right, that was different that I didn't anticipate uh, as far as the experience that, that you go through as a host? So we had a former intern uh, who now she's working in Huntsville on TV, and she sent me a text asking, is it, is it tiring to be on TV that long? And I thought about it. And I said, I, I know what she's saying. I mean, and you guys know this. When you go on TV, you're a little bit more upright. Uh, it's like you're tense the whole time you're presenting, right? Yeah. You know, you're, you're presenting and it's just, it's very different. Um, it, but it's not, I think when you look at it as we're doing a radio show and cameras happen to be on us, it's fine. You're, you're relaxed that way. I mean, in the beginning of the show, we will present more. We're looking at a camera in front of us. We all have our own camera and studio that we can address when we start talking or going on a rant or whatever it may be. But for the most part, you get a segment or two in to what's now a two-hour show but will eventually grow. You get a segment or two in, and, and you're doing your old radio show just with cameras rolling. I mean, I'm looking at you guys right now, and, and you look relaxed, but yet there's a camera on you. That's the way we feel. Even though there's lights around us and, and we're doing a show, it's like we're doing a radio show on television, on camera. And when you look at it that way, it's not stressful or intimidating at all. So right now you're doing two hours, and then – are you doing a are you doing a VIP show afterwards? How how is that working? So we did the first day. We did a VIP show for Outkick VIPs after the show. We do these once a month where they kind of rotates. It'll be me, Hutton, Paul, or Clay once a Sunday at four or five o'clock, and we meet uh, on Zoom with Outkick VIPs. But it's going to be a two hour show in the beginning, and it's going to grow, Steve. Once we start adding radio networks. So the reason that we went with 11 to two, because, because if, if people tune into the video right now, they're seeing where commercial, you guys have commercial break kind of holders there for when your for when your uh, radio network starts, correct? Right. Yeah. So, you know, and when you guys started, right, you talk about Jasper's now, uh, but when you started, you had we nothing talk a lot there for a while. Yeah. You were talking, I mean, you, you guys just love the place. I can tell. 
um, you'll talk about it no matter what. You may actually have an entire episode dedicated to your love for it at some point. But, you know, that right now there's placeholders. There's going to be promos that we put in those breaks. Uh, we're going to do some funny stuff uh, to, to put in those breaks. But eventually, yes, there will be spots. That will be a network break uh, for radio affiliates. We chose 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Central because that's a good time to get into that uh, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, Colin Cowherd slot and hopefully be an option for a lot of Southern radio stations. You know, I, I joke about it, but at some point we want to be the natural lead into Paul Feinbaum on a, on a station in Kolioka, Alabama, for instance, that that's where the radio network is going to grow. A lot of these smaller stations that maybe they have local shows in morning and afternoon drive, but they have nothing local in the midday. And then they can get more of a Southern syndicated show. That's, you know, it's going to be a, a little bit national, but, we're going to keep talking Tennessee and Nashville sports, but it's going to be more Southern focused, Southern NFL teams, SEC. That's going to be a better option than Jim Rome talking Dodgers, Lakers, Mets, and Yankees year round. It's funny. That was one of the questions that I got asked the most from people was just like, well, why would they go national? And I would always look at people and I go, Chad Withrow's not breaking down Oregon Ducks basketball and Milwaukee Bucks basketball every night, every day on his show. Like they're going to do their show. But if you do expand from Nashville into South Carolina, into, you know, Eastern Texas or, you know, whatever, lower Alabama, like do you, don't you have to tweak the content at some point to, to attract those audiences? I mean, I know you always talk SEC and that's going to work no matter what but you are going to have to evolve the content a little bit from what you guys did on a local station, correct? Yeah. And you know, the way we're starting out is that first hour of the show is more of what the first hour of our syndicated show will be. So it's a story of the day. If it's Deshaun Watson, if it's Tiger Woods in a car accident, uh, if it's NFL free agency, we're going to talk for the first hour about the biggest stories regionally or nationally. The second hour we're calling our Tennessee power hour right now. That's our old show. That's Titans, that's Balls, that's Vandy, that's Preds, that's whatever's happening. That's Belmont. I know Steve's hot on Belmont right now. Uh, great rant, by the way. But I'm it's just, it's whatever I'm we want to talk man. about that's locally. Absolutely. But then as we get going to your question, Braden, you know, maybe the Tennessee Power Hour doesn't play as well in Charleston, South Carolina. So we just reorder the show if we go four hours, let's say. One of those hours will be um, – maybe an unedited hour, but also maybe something we can exclude for certain markets. So when we repurpose it, Fox Sports Knoxville, for instance, is going to put us on 6 to 8 p.m. Well, you better believe that one of those two hours they're going to run is going to be the Tennessee Power Hour in Knoxville. But yet that may not be what they run in Charleston, so they'll run two of our other hours, and we're going to have a guest hour. You know, when we have Greg Cosell on, that will be one of the hours. There's just a lot of ways to manipulate it to where it makes sense for the most markets. And that's where we want to go. In the beginning, it's so difficult when you say OTT network to the, the common you know, sports consumer. They have no idea what the hell that means. I didn't know what the hell that meant at first. But when you're talking about over-the-top network, it is Facebook, it's Instagram, it's Twitter, it's YouTube on a YouTube channel. It's eventually a radio station and a radio network also. So we're trying to be a little bit of everything while also uh, not getting too far ahead of our skis in the beginning. That's why we're starting with this two-hour format. Walk us through the timeline of events here. Were you guys looking to do something different? Were you – there's always management Finally changes. Finally, the good stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> management changes always sort of precipitate these things. Was there a management change at 104.5 that kind of precipitated some of this? How much push and pull was there here? This is just us talking, right? This is nobody know, else. Broadcast will hear anywhere. Okay, good. Uh, yeah, I mean, there, look, there was a management change at the zone, and uh, we worked with Brad Willis for years. Uh, he took a job with the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame. Love Brad Willis, respected the hell out of him. Uh, he was a great boss. We get that there's, you know, management changes in, in any line of work, and that can, you know, change the way things go. Uh, but I, I really think, you know, more for us, I mean, was that a factor? Yeah, maybe. I think anytime your surroundings change, that that's going to change things for you and how you view a certain place. I, I think all along, we thought we probably had one more three-year contract at most, right? We had been there nine years. 
that's a, as Braden knows, that's an eternity in one place as one show with one trio um, for, for any radio show. So we knew not that necessarily our audience was going away. Our numbers, you know, reflected that they, it was going up in terms of podcast and, and ways we could actually monitor audience. But we knew that we were going to have to transition to digital in some way, shape, or form. And quite frankly, major radio corporations are ill-equipped to capture digital. I mean, that's, you know, I, I'm not speaking out of turn to say, you know, Cumulus has some ground to make up with that. I think every major radio company has ground to make up when it comes to digital. And that's what OutKick does. That's what Neon Media and Savage Ventures, that, that's what they do. They, they capture digital. Now, we don't want to completely go in this direction where, you know, we're doing something that we're not. And we're trying to be someone that we're not. And we're trying to capture eyeballs in a different way. It's more of let's be us, but let's tweak it where it works for the next 10 to 15 years of sports media. And that was really our, our goal the whole time. And, you know, look, we didn't get the, the, the last three years. We had the option for it, but we just had to look at all situations, weigh it on each side and say, where do we think things are headed uh, for the next three to five to 10 years? Where's it going up and where's it going down? And at least for me, and I, I know you'll probably have Jonathan and Paul on again at some point, it was really a no-brainer when we started to look at it. Uh, it's when, funny, without crossing uh, any, any lines, you know, Chad and I, you and I go back a ways, and the amount of pontificating you and I have done about the future of this space, this was not, you know, <laughs> this, is, this was always the logical conclusion to where this stuff is going. And so I, I'm, I'm certainly not surprised. I, I guess my question is, you and I have talked about that evolution a lot. What was it that made OutKick and that particular location, the relationship you have with Clay, like what was it that made this the right time, this the right place, and, and this the right show? The money. It was just strictly the money. That's it's all. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, you know, it's funny, Braden, because uh, in, and I can say this. We had an open negotiation window in our contract where we could go talk to anyone. And I met with you uh, for lunch one day. I remember talking about, you know, different things, and different options. And you were adamant that I, I wouldn't leave. You know, you said it over and over. You probably remember this, but you were saying you guys won't leave. No one leaves. No one leaves the zone. No one leaves the, the dominant radio station in town. You guys aren't leaving it. I remember telling you the whole time, I said, we're going to have options. I'm telling you, there's a good chance that we're going to leave. But, Braden, you're right. No one leaves. I mean, think about 104.5 The Zone over the years. Who left on their own accord that wasn't fired or that had legal ramifications for leaving? I mean, going back to George Plaster, right? I mean, even Willie Donick leaving was in part because of George Plaster. And I work with those guys. So it, I think it caught everyone off guard because no one had done it. You know, we were the first to say, nope, that's an offer, but we're going to go take a better offer. Because once you get into that cycle, it's a great job. You know, it's a great job for Buck Rising now to have. I mean, it's, it's a good gig to have when you're on the biggest sports talk station in town. And there's no way around it. But the thing that jumped out to me, and, and look, I've, Clay's first radio show was on The Zone with me in 2007, or the start of 2008. I met him in 2007 at the SEC Championship. So I've, I've been friends with Clay for years. Clay's got a great media mind about where things are headed. And I think what sold us was a couple things. When we met with Clay, he pitched us, right? A lot of times when you're talking to other people, you're pitching them. Here's why you should hire me. Here's why we should get three more years, or here's why we should do this. And then the other people say, well, this is why it's expensive, and this is whatever. Clay had a clear vision for us, loved our show, legitimately is a fan, likes it, and he was hiring us to be us. We had all the same questions that probably everyone would have. Are we going to have to come on and talk politics? Are we going to have to come on and talk coronavirus? Are we going to be expected to play into these things? And Clay said no. The one thing that he told us was, the only thing that I will not allow is for you to be on the side of sports not being played. He said, I tell every employee at OutKick, if you think sports should be shut down or not played, this isn't the place for you. Everything else is fair game. You know, he's got a writer that uh, wrote about uh, voting for Biden, and he had people coming out. Well, how could you employ someone who did? 
And Clay said, this is not, you know, that's not the direction that I want you guys to go. I want you to be you, be authentic, be yourselves. You're not going to be expected to do anything. And honestly, I think, and Clay would tell you this, you know, he's great for us. Outkick is great for us, but we're equally as good for him because he needs some sports. You know, there, there, there's a need for some hardcore sports content. And I don't think that uh, our show is going to be the last hire that's made. I think this is a part of a bigger plan where you're going to see some other big time shows from across the Southeast that join this network eventually. I don't think I'm speaking out of turn by saying that because Clay's written that, that this won't be the last hire for Outkick. So while, so, you know, Clay's obviously very important in the, in the media stratosphere, I do think that this move is also good for Outkick from a sports perspective. One of the, one of the moves that, that Clay had made was with Jason Whitlock to bring him on, to bring him into Outkick and then maybe have him be part of the OTT thing or have him just produce content for the site or whatever else. And that relationship sort of dissolved. That's been very public. I think everybody has said everything that they wanted to about that. Um, but that happened as you guys were looking at doing this show and, and coming over to Outkick. Did you guys do due diligence on Outkick before deciding to leave 104.5? How did, how did that decision-making process and how did that evaluation process go? I mean, Clay's your friend right. and Clay's incredibly successful and it would be very easy to say, oh, come over and do this. But I mean, the Whitlock thing, in my mind, at least you guys have lives and families and whatever else that you have to provide for. How much digging did you do into OutKick before you decided to sign something? So we actually met with Whitlock when we had in that open negotiation window, when we had dinner, we had dinner with uh, Clay, Sam Savage and Jason Whitlock. And because Whitlock at the time was a partner, I, I don't know exactly what, I don't have the, the, the uh, management structure in front of me, but he in, in some way was a partner of OutKick. And that was part of his deal to come over because he's obviously a very big name. Um, I enjoyed our dinner uh, with Jason. Thought it went really well. You know, we heard the pitch from, uh, from Clay and Sam and Whitlock would chime in here and there. And, um, and then I find out later that the moment uh, that we left dinner, Whitlock was saying how he refused to hire the three of us, even though it was completely different over dinner. So that was odd to hear, you know, after the fact that, oh, we don't want these guys. These guys can't do this and can't do that and, and Wait, yada, yada, Whitlock, yada. Whitlock didn't want to hire you. Whitlock did not want to hire us uh, at the time, and they had to kind of fight back and say, well, here's how, here's where the value is for these guys. Here's why we want to hire them. So that's just one example. Look, I like Jason. Um, I, you know, can he be volatile at times? He's worked at a lot of places. You'd have to ask his employers that as to why he works a lot of places and what all's happened at those places. I know that he has his story. I know that OutKick and Clay and Sam Savage, you know, released a statement about it. I don't know about the inner business workings of, of all of it. I think Jason Whitlock, and I told him this at dinner, is extremely talented. I grew up watching sports reporters on Sunday morning with my dad growing up, and I told Same Jason here, Whitlock, yeah. I, I watched him on that show, loved it, with Mitch Album and John Feinstein, you know, who's a weekly guest on our show, and all these guys. So I grew up admiring Jason Whitlock. I think he's an incredible talent. Uh, I wish him the very best, but yeah, hearing after the fact, you know, that, uh, it seemed like it went well. And then he's telling them all the reasons why, you know, we shouldn't be hired. Uh, you know, it, it does motivate me, um, to be in a place where a year from now, two years from now, everyone knows exactly why the hell we were hired. Was there ever a chance that the three of you went separate directions on this? And what was your sort of personal calculus? Um, the things that you weighed, and I'm not asking you to like tell us your inner conversations with like your, you know, with Angie or whatever. <laughs> I'm not talking about that. I just want like, what was, what were the things in your mind that you were weighing? And was there ever a chance that the three of you guys broke up? Uh, there wasn't, I'm trying to think of the right way to answer this. There wasn't, uh, in our minds, there wasn't a chance we would break up. Uh, were there outside factors that would have liked for us to break up? Uh, yes, that, that may have been an issue uh, with certain spots. But we were very, the entire time we went through this, we still wanted to be a show. You know, with our similarities and our differences, 
we knew that it worked with our audience. So we were pretty diehard. Hey, this is going to stick together. We're going to go in the same direction. Now, Paul has a lot of issues with Clay. Uh, personally, I don't know. I wouldn't say personally. They're actually friends. Professionally, politically, Paul has a ton of issues with Clay. Hutton and I do not have those same issues with Clay on that end, and maybe we're just not as emotional about it, even if we do have an issue. I'm quick to say when I disagree with Clay on things and have argued with him on our show in the past, Paul and Clay clearly had a lot of big arguments. So I think on Paul's end, there was a lot more convincing that had to be done. I was convinced, right? Like I, I knew that Clay Travis would never screw me over. Now, did I have to vet business partners and everyone he's with to think, you know, I know Clay wouldn't, but there's a chance someone else that doesn't know me would. Yeah, absolutely. I, I had to look into all that. And that was a big part of it. But honestly, it's just about doing something new. You know, we had to know what the, the plan was, how we would be distributed, and how we could grow. And when you're at one place and you feel like, you know, this may be all that we can do. It's very successful, but yet this is all we can do. This is our level. This is where it's going to be. We're not moving. We're not changing time slots. We're not going up. We're not going down. We're just going to continue to do this you kind of appreciate the challenge and then someone telling you, you guys can do what you want. You guys can grow and go where you want. And that was part of the appeal with clay. But I mean, I think the biggest, you know, I guess hold up or decision to be made for me on that end was what's the plan. And they laid out a clear plan and can we do it? And can we bring people over while also adding a new audience? And we all sat around and said, yeah, I think we can do it. Now we still have to go do it. You know, the competitor in me is not going to sit back and think, boy, you know, we had this many podcast listens at the zone. We're going to keep that. No, I mean, I, I want to win. And I'm going into this thinking I, I, I feel like I'm 27 again uh, hosting a show with Braden at 6 p.m. on the zone. Like I, I, I'm going into this like it's brand new and like no one knows who we are and we're having to start over. And uh, hopefully, hopefully it's going to work out for us. I think it will. How'd you guys structure this? Uh with Outkick, are you Outkick employees? Did you guys form something that you and your production group are like the people that you brought over from the zone? They're working for you, or they're working for Outkick. I mean, the, the reason why I ask this is uh, a lot of times that that can determine certain things. Like if they like if one hundred four wanted to break you guys up and you were all one hundred four employees, you would have very little to say in it. Whereas if you have like your own group and it, it, and you're working on that that has a contract without kick then that is the thing how, how did you guys structure it and what what was the intention behind it yeah we are outkick employees now Outkick works and contracts different media companies out to work with them you know we're working with a group uh called neon media that's the, the studio i'm in right now and all the cameras and lights in front that's of one me. of they, sam's companies right yep they they work all of that well, I think in it, Sam and, and Sam Savage and Savage Ventures partners with Neon Media, but they're all producing for the same brands and yeah. Outkick being one of them. But the three of us are Outkick employees. We have uh, a partial ownership of our show in terms of, of revenue, uh, which is appealing also. But I mean, you know, the long and short of it is we are we sign a contract with Outkick. Uh, that contract stipulates our daily assignments and then other things we're expected to do if asked which may include some writing, uh, which may include, you know, client relations and things like this that would be in any media contract. But I guess to answer your question, Steve, yeah, we're the three of us, we signed separate agreements, but for the same length of time uh, with OutKick and, and all of our agreements are different. And other than this show, we're all going to be doing slightly different things for OutKick. And some of those things will be announced soon. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask, but then you answered it right there. Um, so uh, what's interesting is when you say something like, well, we just kind of signed a, a regular contract. What it makes me think about is how the perception of traditional media and digital media from both the fans and from teams perspective. And, and so I think guys like you going into this space, there's a few other companies in Nashville that are doing it. Obviously, people listening to this show um, know all about what we're doing here. But I think it's there, there's this period of time where the old guard needs to sort of understand that this like outkick is just a media company the same way cumulus is the same way sports illustrated was the same way the the gannett was or whatever and, and i i think it people are starting to shift pretty dramatically on that in the last you know couple of years 
Yeah. And look, I think that, um, you know, I listened to Buck on uh, your last, uh, your last podcast also. And I know he was talking about, you know, his, his job now with the zone and how the zone now is going to focus a lot more on, uh, on digital and things like that. Right. And that kind of goes to your broader point, Braden, of these media companies now have to understand where, where is the media and where are the people going and you got to go where the people are. And that's what, that's what Outkick does. That's what a lot of huge media corporations are doing, whether that be streaming video, audio, podcasts, uh, traditional broadcast television, radio. It's whatever you have um, access to that you can do. Look, you know, it's not like we're running into digital and saying, uh, to hell with sports talk radio and radio in general, and it's dead and it's never going to come back. I mean, we're, we're forming a radio network. So clearly we don't believe that. Um, we, we love, we want to be on a Nashville radio station. You know, there's no secret about that on July 7th, when our non-compete is up, we hope to be on locally either live or tape delayed back on a Nashville radio station. I mean, these, these are all things that, that we want to do. So I think to your point, the, the broader you can be, the more you can do, the more places you can be. This is what all media is now. Even if your specialty is one thing you have to be able to hit all the notes at some point. And that's what we're trying to do with the show. Lame stream is brought to you by Jaspers. Jaspers, a neighborhood watering hole. That is the, <laughs> sorry. that is the, I'm sorry. It's the get, your, it's... get yourself organized. I'm sorry. It is the, it's the next evolution of the sports bar. <laughs> All yes. the kids are saying it. <laughs> yes, so many kids are talking about it. Free parking, great menu. Deb Paquette, of course, is the is the, the woman who did the menu. She's the chef at Etch and etc. And you know, four top hospitality, great collection of restaurants in Nashville. Trusted name, doing food in this town for over thirty years, and uh, it really is a fantastic place to watch a game. Like I, I would not say that on this show if I like I'm I'm not a liar. I may be a jackass and I may be annoying, Steve, but I am not a liar. And ask my wife; she'll tell you. <laughs> uh, but, but I do oh, not lie, has. and it is. It is a wonderful place to watch a game. They've got fantastic food. They got great drink specials. Check out the weekly rundown on the website. It's it's I'm we are about authenticity on this on this show, on this network. The fact of the matter is you shouldn't have to you shouldn't have to sacrifice food as part of the as part of the the experience when you go to watch a game. It's one of the things I love yes. about Jasper's. It's a great meal uh, from top to bottom on the menu. Whether you, whether you want a sandwich, whether you want an appetizer, whether you want something bigger, uh, it's a great bar. You shouldn't have to. You shouldn't have to 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 say, okay, I'm gonna pack. Uh, I'm gonna pack the tums in the car and eat them on the way home after spending you know three hours in a sports bar because all you got was like deep, super heavy fried food. Now there's some of that on the menu if you want it, but quite frankly, it's a great menu that's also attached to a great viewing experience. I mean, among the biggest and most concerning systemic problems in this country is systemic culinary sacrifices that people make to go when they go watch sports crimes games, sporting against events. crimes against sports viewers. It, it is an epidemic. Okay, it is an epidemic that needs to be solved, and Jasper's is leading the way because on on changing the system. Because if I sit down for if I sit down for a three hour football game or a two hour basketball game, I'm going to eat. <laughs> I'm going to maybe tw maybe twice. Maybe maybe I, I may I may start early. I may come back in the second <laughs> half and go. You know. Maybe I, maybe I could dive into the appetizer menu here again. I would like I would like some nichos in the first half and some pulled pork sweet potato deliciousness in the second but half. The fact of the matter is, is you shouldn't you shouldn't sacrifice what you're eating just because you want to go hang out with your friends in a great place, drink a few drink, you know, drink a few drinks and watch a game. Yeah, we, we have talked about a lot of systemic issues in this country this year and and last year, and I think this is one that's largely being undercovered. Steve, <laughs> do you think it is? Is, is the culinary sacrifices people are making to go watch sporting <laughs> events. And I'm just, I'm sick of it. And Jasper's is sick of it. Jasper's is done with it. They said, you know what? This is a problem. We will not stand Jasper's for this any longer. Jasper's is taking a stand. We will fix this. <laughs> we joke, but this is true. This is true. Like, you don't want to eat crappy food while watching a sporting event. And Jasper's is the place to not eat crappy. Go to Jasper's and don't eat crappy food. I, I, I don't know how else you want us to sell it.
<laughs> I mean, that's that's it. Go to Jasper's. <laughs> When you guys told 104.5 that you were leaving, did they try to counter? Did they say, no, we, we'd like to keep you. There's, you know, maybe we can work something out. We can figure out something new. Uh, you know, how did, how did those talks go? You'd have to or Had you already lawyer. decided to go? <laughs> so our, our lawyer uh, uh, did all the talking with them. Brad Lampley, great attorney in town, uh, VFL, former Vol, yep. blocked for Peyton Manning. Uh, he represented all three of us, and, and he had all of the communication um, with Cumulus. What I can say is this. Um, we were very upfront throughout and said, you know, through our attorney, that there's going to be a market for us, that there's going to be an offer or offers other places, and told them that from the beginning. Um, there was an offer, and, and, and Cumulus, again, they put a release out saying this. They offered us. They offered us what they deemed fair market value. And then uh, there was another offer presented and we ended up taking the other offer um, that was presented. So, you know, we can sit here and debate what fair market value means for different companies. And, uh, you know, I'll let the audience kind of decide uh, what they think uh, happened there. But yeah, that's that's what happened. Uh, any other question about that, Steve? You'll have to direct to Brad Lampley. Uh, <laughs> well, so Reese Adams. What what is the name of that law firm? Adams and, Ad Reese. Adams and Reese. That's it. Adams so, and Reese. So, so let me ask it this way. Um, yeah. <laughs> in a way, maybe that you can talk about because I'm always fascinated by when radio shows end. It is like it is like a needle being pulled across a, a piece of vinyl. It is abrupt. It is very much not listener or fan friendly in the sense of, wait a minute, this thing that I had grown accustomed to has changed sometimes very radically. Did you guys know that you were going off the air that day? Yes. So I can talk about this. Uh, we knew for about, I want to say two weeks that we were going to be out, right? That there was a contract that ended and there was, uh, while knowing that we were leaving, um, we made the offer and Clay and Outkick made the offer to say, hey, we, we want to go out the right way. If you're in a tough spot, you know, the guys are willing to stay on through the playoffs, uh, through NFL until you can find a replacement and, and come up with that. So we offered to do that and eventually just got to, you know, it was, look, it's, it's awkward, right? You know, we're showing up doing a show. No one could tell one way or the other. We were, we were going to be professional about it. We kept doing our show, but it came to the point where, you know, through attorneys, it's like, all right, we've probably done this, you know, enough. Um, people, uh, I'm sure, heard it and joke about it. There was one day where I think Dan Patrick played under our open, and we had kind of a reaction to that on air that at the time everyone's thinking, what's going on? These guys are, seem to be upset over something really small. But we, we knew sort of what was being, you know, tried out, what was going on at the time. And it was nothing, you know, bad. I, I, I thought, you know, Cumulus handled things the right way, and we were trying to handle things the right way. It was just time. So to their credit, and I, I give them full marks for this, through attorneys, we said, we'd like for tomorrow to be the last day on a Thursday. And that was on Friday, January 15th. They got back and said, yep, you're good to go. You know, the company would just like that you say this, this, or not say this, this, and this on the way out and handle it the right way, and you guys can go and sign off. And they gave us the ability to do that. I didn't think that would happen. You know, when Clay went through this and left, he got an offer. He was embarrassed by the offer. He wrote about it. He left to go start. He didn't have another job to go to. He just left and eventually started his own thing. But, the, you know, they told him leave at that point. He didn't get a chance to say goodbye to his audience. It was Brent and I think Mickey, or no, Brent and uh, Blaine at the time who had to go on and kind of pick up the pieces and say, you know, Clay's no longer a part of the company or read whatever the corporation's put in front of you to read on air when something like that happens. But we were given the ability to say goodbye uh, in that last segment. You know, no, we just had a big show announcement coming up at the end of the show. So I do thank them for that. And I was surprised they gave us the, the chance to do that. But Steve, to answer your question, no, we knew that it was happening. It wasn't some abrupt thing that we didn't know, you know, oh, this is your last segment. You know, someone came in and told us that on that Friday. I don't, Steve and I have talked about this. I don't think people realize how risky, and it's probably why the abruptness exists in the industry because 
it's sort of like the, the, the witness on the witness stand in the trial where they say something that's not admissible and the, and the jury is supposed to disregard it. But if you've got access to the airwaves, it's pretty easy to just let something slip and all of a sudden you can't go back. You can't pull it back in. And so I, you know, I think that's risky on both of your sides, both the company and yep. you guys. But I think to be able to get through it, I, I don't think people truly understand like that. And I know I heard you guys talking on the, on the first show about how difficult it was to not talk sports. How difficult was it to not talk about all the other stuff that's oh, been going on was, with all this? I mean, I'll give you a great example. And I don't think we've even told anyone yet. So we signed a non-disparagement agreement uh, with, uh, with Cumulus about certain people and certain things that we can't talk about at Cumulus, right? This is a standard thing when you have a separation and you're negotiating a, a non-compete to negotiate it down or whatever you're trying to do. You know, you sign things like that and it's fine. And, and we didn't think we were going to have a big issue with it. But we attempted to do a podcast on Sunday night. So Monday, March 15th, our non-compete was up. So we had a plan to have a podcast drop at 12.01 a.m. where we would explain everything that happened at The Zone and why we went to OutKick and everything that happened. And we did this for probably 45 minutes. All right, this is a Sunday afternoon. I remember I had to go pick Angie and the, the girls up at the airport coming back from Nebraska. And I'm sitting there in the cell phone line at BNA and I'm going through my head, everything we said in that podcast. And I, I send Hutton a text and I say, we can't, we can't air that podcast. And so, you know, Hutton goes through the contract and like looking at what it means and all this. And I mean, you guys know any contract, it's so vague. While I don't think that we, we could easily defend, we didn't violate anything. They could easily claim, oh, you violated this, this, and this. And we didn't want to have some ongoing battle. So we scrapped the podcast and, and didn't air it at 12.01. It's still there somewhere. Maybe uh, when cooler heads prevail three, four, five years from now, we'll air the, the previously unaired podcast <laughs> where we really get into everything. But I'm sitting there thinking about everything I said and hey, if you shows need we talked about podcast. and everything else and little shots we took, even if it was thinly veiled. I'm like, we just it, let, now's not the time. Let's just go on to the next thing and not air that at, at 12.01 because then it's going to lead to a bunch of people tweeting us and asking questions about it on the day that's supposed to be the debut of something new and not rehashing old stuff. Uh, who's the most, who, who enjoys disparaging the most? <laughs> oh, I think you know who that is. <laughs> I think he's disparaged you a time or two. Oh, that, that, would be, uh, that would be one Paul Kuharski. He also, it, it's funny with Paul because, you know, it's like, um, it's like an alcoholic having a drink. I don't know that they uh, enjoy it as much as it's just sweet release, right? <laughs> For Paul, like, I don't think he ever enjoys being angry. I, I just think that he gets mad and then will go off on someone or say a bunch of things in a row and you get, he gets his look in his eye. Then I think he feels better for a time. Then he feels worse, you know, shortly after that. So it's, it's one of those where, um, yeah, I, I don't know that it's as much joy as just much re as much relief, it, but he it, definitely, uh, you know, it, it's hard to say though. I feel like we all, um, you know, could have been accused of disparaging even at our time in the zone equally at different times, depending on the situation. We're all even equal, Hutton, which has a lot of people fooled. Hutton has a chance to disparage people too. He, he's good at it. <laughs> equal opportunity disparaging. Um, yes. is it, is it fun to be within, a foot and a half of each other because you guys used to have a pretty big space in yeah the, in it's the... uh i should i should walk the laptop around so you guys can see this this room <laughs> you know it's funny because so um when as we're recording this today we had jeff jarrett in studio our first studio guest we're about to have nate bargatze the comedian in studio um and when you get four people in here it's tight it, then you, but see, here's the great thing about it, Steve. Then we go back to the three person set. I'm like, man, I got so much elbow room in here. I don't know what to do. I can stretch out. I'm going to do some light calisthenics here in between breaks. Like it's plenty of room uh, after I, that. You guys were joke. You guys were joking today about, uh, about Jarrett and paying off a, paying off a, a fundraiser thing that would have smashed a guitar over Paul's head. I don't know that I don't know that you could swing a guitar in that in that in that studio and get like a full you know get a, get a full swing on it. It's a it, it's a tight space. It's not going to happen in here. Uh, that that's for sure. We're, we're it's going to be a big event. We have so many people pissed off at us that pledge money to get to whatever amount it was for LLS charity. 
that has not seen the guitar shot. <laughs> because what happened was they both agreed to do it. Then Jeff signed a contract with WWE. He's over in Ireland and Japan and doing all these things for WWE. So he's gone. Then the pandemic hits and people are just pissed that they've not seen this yet. So we're going to turn it into a big event somewhere live where we have people come out to witness it. Uh, it will not be done in the studio. I will say this. The studio is small, but it's also like perfectly cozy for what we need. And in terms of shooting something new, I think it adds to the, to the show because the three of us, we want to put out the vibe that it's just three guys talking in a bar. And this feels like three guys talking in a bar. You know, we're doing uh, our show at, you know, the Paramount lot in L.A. or something like that. It would feel very, you want to talk about getting like feeling stuffy and like we're presenting at that point. This feels like we're in some someone's mom's basement talking about sports, which I think that's kind of cool uh, with the setup and, and what's behind us and everything else. So let's talk about a little bit about the video aspect of this. It's new for all of you. As you mentioned, you know, you're having to you're having to to look at a camera to keep your head up to you can't kind of get buried down what are you going to do differently with video is there anything in in particular that you want to take advantage of the medium or is this just a, a, another sort of is this just a window onto the existing show and you're not going to do anything kind of expansive with the video piece of it yeah, so David Reed and I were just talking about this, in fact. And there's so many ideas that come to mind of funny things that we can do. You know, you guys can see behind me right now in the video of this. You know, we were talking about doing little promo videos where we explain the different pieces that we have and kind of go into the history of the show or the history of the sports artifact or liquor artifact that's behind us or whatever it may be. Uh, there's a lot of things that we can do. We, we've been shooting some different promos to air during the, some of these breaks that gives you sort of a show history in a fun way uh, with some jokes and different things. So if we say something like banging hats and someone that's, you know, listening in Montgomery, Alabama for the first time, what, what the hell does that mean? Then we can kind of go in during a break and explain the genesis of some of these stories or phrases we use and things like that. I think Jim Rome did something like that at, at one point also with kind of an, an encyclopedia. Uh, but we're going to do a lot of things like Locking that. Blocking the box. And, and, and also, like, so with Jeff Jarrett, you know, on, on with us, it's, yeah, the don't block the box. We have the sign over here, in fact. You know, when we get guests in here, uh, there's not a lot of space, but we're going to try to come up with interesting things that we can do with a guest on site or in demonstrating different things. Really, this first week, and as you guys know, you know, with anything new, it's about let's just get the thing on air. Let's, let's have the cameras work. Uh, let's get our guys that are here working with us comfortable. We're going to do a live show on Friday for the first time at, at 6th and Peabody. So we got to get those things in a row first before we start to expand out, right? So before we start to have these cool bits with in-studio guests or before we start shooting different promos. Before, you know, we, we've talked about going on field trips and going to different places around Nashville and shooting some things that can air during the show. If someone's in town and they want us to go meet them at their hotel lobby bar to do an interview – well, we got the camera crew now to do that. And that could easily be an hour of the show one day that you see is us on remote doing something like that. So, I mean, the possibilities are endless, but when you think about the possibilities, it drives you insane because you always feel like you're not doing enough, but you also don't want to saturate at the point where you're doing too much and yeah. people get sick of you quickly. You talked about all of you guys doing different stuff. And I'm just curious, what is it that you are most passionate about outside of this show? And outside of the Outkick 360, the artist formerly known as, and the three of you doing your show, outside of that, because you obviously had a bunch of other stuff you've worked on. What is it you are most interested by and most passionate about right now outside of your show? I love the show Succession. Okay. And I, there, are, there are shows that I watch, whether it be on Netflix, Amazon, um, Disney Plus, HBO, whatever, that I get um, passionate about when I watch these shows. I've talked to Clay because he loves this also. And Clay doesn't watch a lot of TV with his schedule. Uh, but we, we want to do a, a series on succession, you know, where we do some video elements and uh, a podcast form where we're talking about each episode as it ends. And we can record something that's there all week. I love episodic television that's weekly. It's such an old school thing right now, but there's something so cool about it that where you have to wait until the following Sunday night 
where on Sunday afternoon you're watching the end of a golf tournament and you're excited that the Americans, you know, is coming back when it was on. I love that show. That succession is back on. I love Silicon Valley because that was one that actually just, it was light, made you feel good. You laughed the whole time. Uh, so many shows like that, that I would really, if I had to name a passion, it would be entertainment. It's, it's television. Uh, it's not as much movies now as it was. It's more TV series and really getting involved in that. I, I mean, if I could see my career going anywhere else, it would be into that realm and, and doing more of that. I'm not a critic necessarily. You know, I'm, I'm not Roger Ebert. I'm not going to go on and write that way about it. But when I really like something, I can write well enough about it to contribute to OutKick that way and also to contribute video and audio about those series. So Our succession recaps on uh, coming to OutKick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's not going to be on OutKick 360 because I don't think uh, Paul or Hutton watch it. But uh, Clay and I watch it. You know, there may be another writer at OutKick that watches something else that I'm passionate about also. So you could see some, some more of that also. I mean, The Ringer does this well, right? I, I love I the, really well. the Ringer podcast, Westworld. I'm a fan of Westworld. It's a little bit over my head at times, uh, but I like to go back and listen to the uh, podcast because it explains things to me on the podcast, right? With shows, shows like that. So I, I love that type of stuff. Our, our entire corporate culture is that we have no corporate culture. That, that's our motto here. It's a beautiful thing, Braden, <laughs> and one that you should never change with, uh, with your corporation <laughs> or, or lack thereof. Well, and, and I, you know, we, you and I have talked about this a lot. And again, I, people asking of you and of other people in the media about what you guys were doing and what is it going to look like? And I just think the, the freedom to control your own content is, is that that's not normal. And, and I think that we, we could talk about the digital revolution as we have ad nauseum and everybody sort of knows the dynamics at play, but there's a personal freedom to being able to remove a filter, literally the FCC filter, but also any sort of personal brand filter that comes to having your own, you know, you're just floating around in the internet now. And it's, it's, it's a scary place, but it's a fun place to be. You know, and, and the, the crazy thing about this, and this is a very broad topic that we could probably spin off and do another hour on, but team control over radio stations they're affiliated with. That's really the only time we were told not to be us. Right. I mean, I, I will say in all of our years, the zone, we were never really uh, uh, filtered except for curse words. Like if we did something or we're making fun of something or we're, you, you know, we're just going with our personalities. The zone was always very good about, you know, the show's entertaining. It rates well, good podcast listens, keep doing it. But the moment you offend the wrong person with a team that that station's associated with, then you got problems. You're going to see more and more of this every hire that's made at any sports talk station is going to be approved by the team associated with that station. That's just the way it is. I, I think it's going to be much more cheerleader radio in all in big markets too. I mean, if you're in Chicago and you got the bears and the, the bears hate someone on that station, the bears will get rid of that person. If the station cares enough about the bears, which all of them do. And I, I fear that for the future of sports talk radio, that we're going to see more and more of that. The only times we were told to shut up was because Sean Henry was pissed or because someone with the Titans was pissed about something we said or something we did. You know, I'm breaking national anthem singers on air and Sean Henry's calling the station threatening to pull advertising, you know, at one point. And then I'm getting called into an office about it and, and they're defending me. Our station's saying, look, it's news. Clearly it's breaking news or you wouldn't be this concerned about it because you're acting like it's not a big deal, but it is a big deal to you. So I fear that for the future of sports talk. And that's, to me, that's the freedom. We don't have team affiliations. We don't have league affiliations. So we can say whatever the hell we want and not have some suit come over and tell us, you got to stop talking about that, or we're going to do this, this, and this. I, I hesitate to ask this because I don't really want to talk about your co-hosts. I want to talk to you about this, but yep. were you surprised at, at Titans radio decision? to not have Jonathan Hutton on that broadcast any longer? Yes. First off, it wasn't Titans radio decision. All right. This was, uh, I, I don't think that Mike Keith had anything to do with this decision. And I think that's my biggest complaint about it is Mike Keith should make every decision about what happens on Titans radio. So whoever made that decision, and I don't know exactly who made that decision, but whoever it was, they should not be the ones making that decision. 
there is of, of all the problems that you could point to with the Titans, <laughs> Jonathan Hutton being on Titans radio as studio host is maybe 478th on the list. Well, structurally, that, that's a that's a cumulus call because because of the name nature of the contract, right? I, I look, I yeah, but I think it's a Mike Keith call who cracks the mic on there. Now they can say this person can't go and this person can't do this. But I do think it's going to be Mike Keistis, and it should be. I think that's my biggest problem with all the whole thing. And Jonathan Hunt's my friend, so I'm clearly biased when it comes to this. Jonathan Hunt's very good at his job, and he's very good on Titans Radio. That is a close-knit operation. If I'm Cumulus or any company, take Cumulus out of it. If a talent that I work with decides to move on to something different and they leave and we have an agreement about when they're going to start at the new place, What's going to happen in the new place? What's going to be set? All of that. And they go and do it. And that talent is still willing to work for one of my properties. And he's really good or she's really good. And they're willing to do that. And everyone else around them is willing to have that happen. I'm not standing in the way of that happening. Now, I'm, I look at that from a business perspective. And also, I look at it from what's good and what's best for the product. So if they're willing to do that and I'm not going to have any interaction with them, and it, just let them do it. I mean, the fact that Hutton wants to do it and wanted to stick with it, wanted to do it, I, I would have absolutely no issue with that. So that's my biggest problem. Mike Keith, it's been written about. He recently got uh, – uh, he got moved up to vice president. I, I just – he should be the one making unilateral decisions on Titans Radio, and, and there should not be corporate interference, team interference, any of that from it. Now, if there's some big issue, which I don't see this as a big issue, but if there is one, then – then we can discuss that, but it should be Mike Keith's decision. Speaking of your uh, your co-host here, I do want to talk about your co-host because uh, yeah. Kaharski's mom had a review that was spectacular. Yeah, <laughs> very wordy. Also, was, the review from his mom via text. It was very she's wordy. Six, but the first thing that she noticed was the was the crotch shot for that was uh, that that Hutton was 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 given people uh, in the first episode. I was like, Mom, that's fantastic. It, it, it had a real impact on the ladies. It really did. We had one guy <laughs> tweet in that said, thanks for making my wife's day with the crotch shot. Then we have 86-year-old Faith Kuharski. First thing she noticed is the crotch shot. I mean, look, it's like uh, the Hutton's bulge is the thing that we're only going to be talking about on this show two years from now. We've got banging hats, and we've got these other things. We're going to have to have like a still shot of Hutton's first day crotch shot. That goes along with the show at some point, like blown up. There's a TV screen behind us that we're going to put something on at some point. Maybe it should be a still shot up close of Hutton's crotch. <laughs> and that'll that'll really we, we need help with the female demographic. Maybe that'll do it. There's a gravitational force there, folks. It really is. <laughs> it is. If it works for Faith Kuharski, it works for anyone. <laughs> um I think we've tried to get you into as much trouble as possible. So I think we're good. Chad, thank you so much for joining us, man. We do appreciate it. And uh, best of luck on the new gig. Congratulations. And, and we'll talk soon. You mean you're actually going to post this? This wasn't just a conversation between us? I, I mean, it's just for my dog. It's me and perfect. the dog. Perfect. <laughs> then it's perfect. Guys, always good seeing you. Always good talking to you. Special thanks to Chad Withrow for joining us this week on Lamestream. And it's a true story. And we mentioned it during the interview. Like we were planning on having him on like three and a half months ago. And as soon as the whole thing went down, and with he was like, hold he on. Was like, he was like, sorry, guys, I can't come on until until the, the show goes live and our non-compete ends on like the 14th or whatever it was. So it, legally, we were not allowed to have him on until this week. And we've had the, we've had it basically booked for like eight, eight weeks now on the show. So glad that we got to talk with him. A lot of insight there, a lot of fun inside baseball media stuff there, and I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as we did. I think it's an interesting decision on their part to essentially port the same show over. Uh, they're tweaking it, obviously, because there's a TV slash radio strategy that's coming in on the back end of, of this digital product that they're putting up. You know, they're trying to get it aired in different markets. They're trying to, they're trying to put a radio network together where different parts of the show will appear. And, and I think it's interesting that they know that they have stuff that's very Tennessee-specific, but they're, they might have an hour or two of the show that will only play in Alabama or South Carolina or wherever else, you know, basically in SEC country. The, the, the Tennessee Power Hour that, that they're focusing on Titans, Preds, you know, whatever's happening here in town, make it cut out. 
and I, I think that sort of kind of cut and paste piece of it is is really sort of fascinating, and we may see more of this going forward. Yeah, it's it's you take a four hour product and you cater it to each market that you're going to go to, and I, I think it's a really smart move. Again, no one's ever accused Clay Travis of being stupid. <laughs> that's that's not a thing. He's accused of many things. I was going to say stupid is not, is not one the of them. List, the list is long. But, but that's not one of them. <laughs> nope, it is not. Uh, all right, so recommendation, Steve. You have one that I think will... Well, I'll just let you start here, man. Go to, go to town, buddy. So if hate watching is a thing, Netflix may have introduced a new category, which is rage watching, which is what my wife and I did for four episodes of a show called Marriage or Mortgage. Marriage or Mortgage is shot here in Nashville, and the conceit of it is this. Couple, oh, my God. couple comes in. They have a pile of cash. They can either spend that pile of cash on their dream wedding or down payment for a house. If you're an HGTV viewer at all, oh, there's a show called Love It or List It. They are shamelessly ripping off Love It or List It. I, I don't know about that. I like that show. That's a legitimate real life decision that people have to make. The, the, the format, and, and I like her. The format that they use in this is is lifted straight from Love It or List It, where they have okay. two people working at cross purposes, and at the end of it, they choose to either the marriage or the mortgage, which is kind of ridiculous. Anyway, they're, they're getting married yeah, no matter what. Again, the Love It or List It thing, it's two intelligent decisions, though. That's the difference here. <laughs> like. These are not intelligent decisions, however. <laughs> right, right. When twenty, when you put thirty thousand dollars of daddy's money in front of twenty-three-year-olds, and they say, "Would you love to have a dream wedding with an ice sculpture and a hashtag and a donut wall, or would you rather put it into a house? You're going to build equity for the rest of your life." Sane people will all agree on what the right answer is. The kids, however, chose the wedding. And it is absolutely insane to see people over and over choosing these ridiculous dream weddings as opposed to as opposed to buying houses. The buying houses portion portion of it, by the way, is just as ridiculous. All right. Don't don't spoil don't spoil the decisions that they're gonna I make. Mean, I mean it is I have a lot I have a lot of problems Steve with Steve is putting his hands all over his face. I right have a lot of problems with, with shows that are shot in Nashville anyway. Because they try to they try to show Nashville as X or Y, and as somebody pointed out on Twitter, it appears that every every driving direction in Nashville goes through Lower Broad. If you're watching the B roll of these of these shows, but it's absolutely ridiculous that they're showing people houses in like Franklin and Gallatin, selling it as Nashville, and then yeah. and then using the same B roll from an Escalade rolling down Fatherland in East Nashville. It's absolutely fucking infuriating <laughs> to see all of this at one point my you, wife almost threw a glass at the television <laughs> i think the only reason she didn't was because the was because the dog was was, was right there beside her and she, and she would have upset the dog I, it's it's just it's just uh and i can't tell you not so to you, watch so it you, so are you i was gonna say so are you recommending people watch it <laughs> i mean if you want if you want a higher blood pressure if you need oh, to great. get you know, if you need to to feel the endorphin rage, I mean, the, the endorphins clicking through you in, in a rage for, for really no reason at all, for just absolutely ridiculous reasons, then please watch this show. Sounds exactly like something we all need right now. It's no, just no, no question about it. I thought. I, all right. OK. OK. I thought right. of, I thought a few years ago I for the scene I had I had done recaps of shows of really terrible shows like Crazy Hearts. What was the uh, the private lives of Nashville wives, which was a ripoff what's, of the uh, of all of the e shows? What's the new one on Netflix about Nashville with the nanny oh, who just like shows up because country the truck comfort. breaks down? Yeah, oh my, that thing's God. not out yet. That thing that thing has features like seven different southern accents. It's gonna the, go to in, another in that, the trailer. That takes this whole thing you're talking about to another level. But but if you want to be really and truly pissed off at a at, at a show, okay. right. go go watch Marriage or Mortgage. <sighs> All right, so we'll have to go watch that. Um, my my recommendation, and <laughs> it definitely is not like it makes me feel. And I told my wife this because I'm kind of watching it on my own, and I, I it makes me feel like I've and I've said this about a few different things that I've come full circle circle on like middle aged fatherhood 
and it's it's just sort of where I am. And I do not like network television. I just don't because it's not real to me. HBO, you know, some of the FX stuff and the AMC stuff, like they just at least can push some boundaries on some cable networks where like, again, language, violence, nudity. I'm sorry. I like those things. <laughs> and I want and I want to see because it's real. It's real life uh, to some degree. And I want to see that. And, you know, I watched Bosch. We're now like you recommended Bosch. So we're now like five seasons into Bosch. I have one thought on that. And that is I don't think the main character is a very good actor. <laughs> he has a he has wow. a very he the has hottest a very, of um, takes. He has a very uh, oddly shaped body. And I don't like watching him run or do any athletic activities. And but otherwise, like all the surrounding characters are fantastic. The the, the rest of the where it's shot, like you said, all not that a stuff Titus Rolliver fan. I don't think he's very good. He's okay. It, it is what it is. I thought all the other actors and actresses are great. I thought the writing for all the other people is great. I think the writing for even Bosch could be better. But just Bosch is just even though he's the main character. We're still five seasons in. The storylines are great. The way they un- un- unravel them all. And they're they're very good if you're into crime drama. I have been watching Suits. And Suits came out in 2011 on the USA Network, which already just sounds like a middle-aged fatherhood sentence. <laughs> and, and it is obnoxiously charming. Like, I don't like that I find it so charming and that I'm smiling because it's all cheesy, again, middle-aged fatherhood type stuff now the subject matter is very heavy and very real and like it's major litigation between a family and a corporation in new york and like there's really heavy subject matter but like i don't feel like any of the relationships are are real because it's a fictional show which is and so again it's obnoxiously charming did you, I, I like all the relationships but i don't think they would ever actually happen did in you life. pick suits back up after the harry and uh megan markle interview Funny that you asked that. Uh, I I watched two full seasons of Suits and had no idea that was Meghan Markle. Really? Yes, I've never. I had no idea that was her. That's funny. I'm not a royal. I'm not a royal family guy. We put we it's we not, actually put Suits in the in in the queue here after the interview because uh, because a bunch of people had said, oh well, it's, you know, she's really good in it, and and, she, and, and she the show is, very is good. The, the show was a lot of fun. It, it is. It's fun. It's sort of mindless. It's very good at the end of the night. It's even though there's some heavy subject matter. There's lots of pithy cheeky writing which i find good and interesting but again you might watch it if you're 26 and go this is not my style (laughs) (laughs) we we may do we may do that here soon uh we need a palate cleanser after uh some heavier stuff that we've watched all right well that about does it for us on the show this week we do appreciate it of course from chad withrow for joining us giving us so much of his time uh we we do appreciate it so where can people follow you steve you can follow me on twitter at scavendish my name is you can... Steve Cavendish. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> and you right, are. Cut you, cut you off. <laughs> My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall, at 440 Sports on Twitter and Facebook, at 440 Media on Instagram. Please share the show. Tell everybody about it. Special thanks to our title sponsor, Jaspers, of course. Jaspers! We may or may not be out there. If you're listening to this point of this show, we appreciate you. <laughs> and so we may or may not be out there this weekend, potentially on a Friday afternoon, potentially watching some basketball, having some beers, because it's a great place to go watch the game. And uh, I don't think people should settle any longer for this systemic culinary problem that is sweeping America or has swept America that Jasper's is trying to solve and fix with a fantastic menu because it is the... It's the next evolution of the sports bar. Go to Jasper's, everybody. Thank you for listening. This has been Lamestream on the 440 Sports Network. <laughs>